What's up, everybody? Welcome to Game On, presented by No Tokens Required. I'm Chris. I'm Caleb. And today we are talking about Horizon Forbidden West, developed by Guerrilla Games, published by Sony Interactive Entertainment. I had a hard time kind of getting into the first Horizon game. Um, I played it for a little bit and like, it didn't get its hooks in me. But I recently went back and played through it again. And I really, really enjoyed it. So when this was announced, like I wasn't that excited because I hadn't been super into the first one. So you saw the announcement before you replayed it. Right. Okay. okay. Oh, yeah. No. I mean, I like knowing that this was like. Was this one of those? I was so excited about it that I was like, I want to do this. And you're like, okay, let's let's try and give the first one a second chance type deal. That plus the fiance. She had just played through the, the first, first one. one and enjoyed it so much because I had told her that the second one was coming out. Yeah. And I was like, this is probably up your alley. It's a nice big open world world you know you especially as you're a female character like there's not strong female character yeah it's got a great you know like i knew that it had a really good story there was just something about the game that the for that for and i probably what I, I mean it could have been me right i wasn't in the right headspace yeah i wasn't interested in playing an open world game so i played the first one in this one back to back so yeah when that when they made the announcement for this one i was like oh that's cool but like not super giggity hyped about it yeah um but yeah, I was um, I was pleasantly surprised. Well, that's good. Yeah. What about you? Oh no, I was I was hyped from the get go. Like I played the first one when it first released, and the first one, like we discussed in the previous podcast, it would um, it interests me because of robot dinosaurs. Yeah. <laughs> really, that's what it comes down to. I was like, oh, that looks kind of interesting. But almost immediately, I was sucked into the storyline yeah. of it. Like, I really thoroughly enjoyed the storyline of this game. I felt like the world was very fleshed out and everything. And we discussed all of that. Um, so go back and listen to that one. And you can really hear us rave about how that all worked out. But I I fell in love with the storyline. Hardcore. Mm. And I really liked the characters that you came across. And even Aloy, who you play. So, of course, when, like, you know at the end of the first one, there's going to be a second game. If mm. this game does well, there's going to be a second game. It's just a matter of when. Yeah. Right? So I was like, I want it now, but I don't at the same time. Because I know, like, those games that they just pump out really quick afterwards, they're shit. You mean Assassin's Creed? <laughs> yeah. No, granted, Assassin's Creed is a little bit different because there's two developers right. and they alternate between them. So even then, there's there's like two years in between a developer's launch of games, right? But this one, I was just like, no, I want you to take your time because it's good. Mm. I like it. And I don't want you to just pump something out real quick because you're like, we can make money yeah. and dump it out. So... I was getting a little annoyed with what it felt like forever for the second one to be announced. Mm, okay. But when it finally was, I was like, fuck yes. I am so excited for this game. I want to jump back into this world. I don't want to just have to replay the first one to be in this world again. I want to jump back into this world and I want to experience the continuation of this storyline and see the characters grow more. Right. Mm -hmm. So like I was super excited for it and I loved it. I, I absolutely loved it. 
once I got back into the world yeah. and was starting to go through things. There were some issues. We'll get into those because like, and this is, I think it's always an issue with a continuation game, right? Right. How do you carry over the stuff that you had at the end of the first one to the beginning of the second one? Or how do you do that transition to where they don't have the stuff and, and things like that, right? Mm-hmm. That's always a problem with games like this where you're continuing on the storyline. Yeah. And it all really depended on how quickly are we? Is it going to be like the next day? Yeah. And it's like, wait a minute. Yesterday I woke up with all of these great bows and all of this great armor and all of this amazing shit. And today it all of a sudden just like disappeared. What the fuck? Yeah. You know? So I was, I was concerned about that, but I'm always concerned about that. We, we had that conversation with uh final fantasy seven, mm-hmm. you know, in the, how are they going to do the second part of this? How are they going to continue that on? My character's level 50. Is he going to be level 50 when I go into the second part? Like, what are we doing here? <laughs> I'm always concerned about that. But I was still super excited to get into this world. Yeah. I I ended up having a lot of fun in this game. Um, I, I thoroughly enjoyed the first one. So I, I did do them pretty much back to back. I finished the first one and then started the second one. Um, I had a lot of time in between. Yes, you did. Yeah. <laughs> but so, so that was good for me. I was concerned. The fiance and I had talked about this and I was concerned that... Um, you know, playing the same style of games, especially games that are this big and long and long. Yeah. Back to back, you can get kind of fatigued on them. Yeah. So I had to go into this one being like, don't, don't fall into that trap. Don't get fatigued. Don't get annoyed. Um, you know, it's, you're going to be doing the same thing again for a really long time and don't let that bring you down. Cause I didn't want it to taint you know, my experience with yeah. this. And I was, I was really glad that it didn't. I walked away from this thinking it was, it was really good. I really enjoyed it. And of course there's problems, you know, no game doesn't have problems. Absolutely. Um, I mean, Jesus, even what we, I, even goes to Tsushima. We were like, everything about this is fantastic except for that fucking grappling hook. <laughs> except for this. Yeah. <laughs> so, so it has problems, but no, I mean, if you haven't played this yet, definitely pick this one up too you know and that's funny that you mentioned that because that is nothing never something that i've ever thought about really yeah i've gone like in a series of games you know like bioshock Mm -hmm. one two three you know kind of continued on and played them back to back to back to back yeah and for me personally if it's a world that i greatly enjoy being in Mm -hmm. i don't think there is fatigue really but i have never played long games like that you know what i mean like where i'm dumping in 60 hours and then i'm going into the next game and dumping in another 60 hours yeah like the closest i could think about is maybe like mass effect okay when mass effect 3 first came out i played one and two and i timed it just perfectly so i was wrapping up two I maybe had a couple of days and three dropped Mm. and I went into three and I don't think I've ever felt game fatigue because I loved that world so much. I loved the, the lore, the gameplay, all of it that I didn't mind being in that game Mm. for that long. And with those games, you're literally talking like 180 hours, right? you know, of gameplay between the three of them, 200, you know, it's, it's a lot mm-hmm. between the three games. 
And I never, I never even thought about something like that. It may, it may just be a me thing then a lot. Cause a lot of times it's like, I want to switch up how I interact with the world. Right. I want to go from third person to first person. I want to go from RPG to shooter or something like but that. But that's the thing is like, I've had that where I've been playing a game for a while and I'm just like, I'm just not feeling this anymore. Yeah. And I have to switch to something else and not just like, a different game but it's kind of the same genre or game style mm. something entirely different because i'm just like i just need the break yeah so i have experienced it that way but in the rows of like i played this one then played this one then played this one i can't think of a time that mm. i've had that yeah. and maybe it's just because i've been so excited mm. most of the time when i do that it is the build up to a game that's just about to release yeah it's the aspect of the excitement behind it maybe is what's driving me forward. Yeah, it makes sense. Because I will say now that we're talking about it, there has been times where I've hit that third game. I've gotten about halfway through it and I'm just kind of like, I'm done. <laughs> and like, I'll rush to beat the storyline because yeah. I can't just leave the storyline hanging, but I'll stop going through and like, collecting all of the little things unlocking the full map or, or something along those lines you know what i'm talking mm -hmm. about where i'm just like okay i beat the storyline now i'm gonna play something different for a little while and then after a little while of playing something different i may jump back into it and be like okay now i'm gonna complete out the rest of the game yeah i'm gonna do all the little side quests i'm gonna get all the little collectibles because now i'm okay with being back into this world so maybe that's what it is maybe that's what the game fatigue is where i just get to a point where i'm like it's not bad, and it's not that I'm not enjoying it. I'm just not feeling it anymore. Well, and that's a great example because that's actually what happened to me in this. Like, I didn't do any of the cauldrons. Okay. Because I had done them all in the first one. Yeah. And by the time I got to this one, I didn't do the bandit camps. Okay. You know? I didn't do all of those. I didn't font do all of the ruined stuff. I really focused on the, the storyline. The story and then, I mean, there were even a few side missions I didn't do. There were still a few green exclamation points littered wow. on the map. Yeah. And, and, and again, like it, it was this time it was more because I was interested in more invested in the story yeah. than being in the world than being in the world. And we'll get more into it into this after spoilers, but like there's a reason why I kind of honed myself to just doing the main story and a few of the side missiony stuff. Um, so yeah, exactly. Like that is my experience is that I was like, I was feeling a little bit of the fatigue, but I wasn't, it wasn't to the point where I was like not enjoying my time with it. Yeah. You know, I never picked it up and started playing it and was like, this feels like a chore. I was like, I'm excited to get in here and, and have some fun and do some stuff. But every time I was like, you know, like why bother going to a cauldron? Like I'm not, like I'm not going to override stuff. Like I already have the charger mount. Like that's just not my play style. Yeah. The, the fiance and I were talking about that a lot too. She came in while I was fighting um, one of the bosses and she was like, wow, like, you know, you like you seem to like be doing this so much differently and, and you seem to have such an easier time. And I was like, well, you know, like it's because I kind of gear myself towards how I know I'm going to play this game. Yeah. You know, and, she, you know, she was like, well, I do that, too. I'm like, yeah, but if those styles are even remotely different, you know, like I pretty much only used two bows. 
like I don't use the rope caster or the trip caster that much. I never use that like shotgun one. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That was weird. So like all of my stuff is like geared towards doing this in a very specific way. And so going off and doing the cauldrons, I'm like, that's not my play style. I don't override a machine and let it do my fighting for me. Yeah. I just go in and do the fighting. Yeah. You know, so stuff like that with the bandit camps, I'm like, I don't really like need i don't feel the need that i need to do that i don't feel like i need the experience i don't feel like i'm going to need any of the loot that comes from it because i was i I felt like i was pretty well maintained well off yeah Yeah, like i never i never felt like i needed to grind a level or two i never there was like one or two missions that i went in either at the level that they recommended or just below it yeah and it was tough but it wasn't impossible yeah you know there were a couple of times i squeaked by by the skin of my teeth (laughs) so well let's get into it yeah you know because you've mentioned a bunch of stuff on it right Mm -hmm. and when you set up the game it this is a little bit different than the first one you have story mode or you have explorer mode Mm. where the story mode gives you markers kind of guides you gives you hints at where you need to do things or how you need to do things and explorer mode is completely completely hands-off yeah it does not do that you very much have to pay attention to who you're talking to what they say and what area they're referring to Mm -hmm. to kind of piece that all together i did story mode because i was like i do not want to put in the mental energy on focusing on fuck where do i need to go yeah I, I, I just I, wanted it to be like, go here. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I didn't need the Explorer part of it to no. feel satisfied. No. And but, he did great, but not for me. And then with that, there were the difficulties. Mm-hmm. You could change the difficulty. And of course, I played on hard mode. Right, because you hate yourself. I do hate myself. I loved it. <laughs> um, But that altered my play style. It really did. Yeah. So, And I did find the alteration in play style because in this... There is more equipment. Mm-hmm. A lot more. Than in the first game. Yeah. So like you, there were only a couple of um, bows that I focused on. Hunter and sharpshooter. Yep. 100%. In the first playthrough of the first game, I did use the trip caster a lot. I basically set up traps and I kited them and I used them to my advantage mm-hmm. to help fall some of these more difficult um, machines, yeah. right? I didn't do that as much in this one. I felt like if you focused more on the weak points yep. and you just kind of kept a good distance and aware of like how they attacked, you didn't need to wrap them up in the net gun or use a trip caster or any of that to do it. Um, so like, and I didn't really, and I should have, I didn't explore the new weaponry, like the spear chucker. Mm. And my brother-in-law who played through it, he was like, Oh yeah, no, I would hit the, you know, the pterodactyl looking things, the, the sun, Sun wings. Sun, sun wings. He goes, I'd hit them once with the spear chucker and they'd just blow up. And I'm like, yeah, that's that's because you played on easy. And it was. Like, on the harder difficulty, you didn't do as much damage. Mm-hmm. Even when hitting weak spots. 
like on the easier difficulties to fall like the 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 thunder jaws right mm-hmm. you break off a couple of components and it it kills them on this one i would break off every component and i still had half health that yeah. i had to fight through so like it changed the way that i had to play now i did do all the cauldrons i did do all of the the runes and but that was more of like i'm interested in this and mm-hmm. i want to like see how they did this again and everything oh for sure but I didn't like how they did it. No. It wasn't it wasn't the same as in the first one. I don't feel like the cauldrons were as difficult. The mm. difficulty came from fighting the monster at the end, not actually figuring out the puzzle to get through it. Yeah. Which I really appreciated about the cauldrons in the first one. Were they were puzzles. Right. They were the Zelda dungeons. Mm-hmm. You know? Absolutely. And I loved that because I love the Zelda dungeons. Except this for that one, water one. Yeah, fucking every water one. <laughs> um, but this one, it wasn't it wasn't like that. There was maybe one cauldron where I was like, oh, I actually have okay, I gotta go here, hit this trigger, and then fly over here, hit this trigger, then dive down here, hit this trigger, and now I finally got where I need to go. Mm-hmm. The rest of them were just run through, here's the end fight the creature unlock your ability to override these monsters yeah right and like you were talking about the charger in the first game part of the reason to get to the cauldron is to get the knowledge to ride the charger and the horse and all those things yeah that other one the this ram one one yeah this one you or the bull one sorry the bull one because the charger is the ram right this one you have the ability to unlock the charger you don't see any horses and you don't see any bulls nope you have other creatures yes you have a boar yep which you can ride yep um you have bristlebacks yeah the bristlebacks are the boars you have the velociraptor claustriders which you had in the first one nope are you sure yep i thought you did nope but you can ride them as well Mm mm-hmm and, like, they all have their own unique things and everything like that. But I never, like, they were transportation. Yeah. They exactly. weren't combat. No. Like, I did try the whole, like, okay, I've got a pack. Let me override this Clostrider and set it to aggressive and set it loose mm. and see what happened. And they helped out quite a bit. But it was kind of one of those, like, in the bigger fights you don't have any of those smaller creatures to aid you. Mm -hmm. So it was kind of one of those of like, what's the point? Exactly. Like it, it, I think they did take away from the cauldron override for me. Yeah. Like it just, it wasn't as helpful. No. And, and like I said, I mean, I, 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 I completely agree. Like there was a reason, you know, um, and I guess it's a little spoilery and we haven't done the spoiler, but we're not talking about the plot, but it's not just a matter of doing the cauldron. Then you have to like get components to craft the ability to override them. And yes. I'm like, for like, some of them. Yeah. And I'm but, like, well, I should say for most of them, yeah. there are a couple where it's like, okay, you've just unlocked the ability to override it. But again, they're I, not helpful. Yeah. Like unless that is your play style. And, and again, if it is great, right. I didn't, I did not need I didn't feel the need or nor the desire to want to ride a claw strider. And that, that is one or of the things striker. in this game. 
there is a lot more component gathering required Ugh. in this one than the first one because your weapons all of them can be upgraded and depending on the rarity depends mm. on how many times you can upgrade it but all of them need to be upgraded yeah um your armors upgradable your pouches upgradable which i do enjoy normally about games but to me this was a slog okay like it was kind of one of those of like this is not fun and it's not organic. Right. It is, I have to go out of my way. I have to find this group that may only have one or two of this creature. And I'm lucky if I can get, or they drop this component. I had to, I had to travel to two separate spots four different times to try to get something from a frost claw one of the big bear ones. Yeah. I had to fast travel because I mean, there was like, there were two at each location. I went to the first one, downed them, didn't get the one component that I needed. Yeah. Go to a second spot, back to the first spot, finally back to that second spot. The fourth time I finally got the one thing I needed. And yeah. I'm glad that it wasn't just me who felt that because no, if the fiance was... also agreed that she was like, yeah, it did feel a little more collecty. Yeah. Than it needed than it than it needed to be. Well, so you like you have those hippos, mm-hmm. right? And in the hippos, they have tusks in their mouth. Yep. And outside of a couple of moves, those tusks cannot be touched. Mm. So you have to wait for them to do that attack and then hit the tusk. And, and I don't know if this was just because of the difficulty that I was playing on, mm-hmm. but you have like those, that ammo that when you hit it, it goes and then Sonic pulse out and yeah. it's supposed to help break off equipment. Mm-hmm. If that arrow did not hit the piece of equipment that I wanted it to break off, mm. it would break off that piece of equipment, but it wouldn't drop it. Oh, it would just destroy it. Hmm. I never, so, I, I didn't notice. And I, I obviously didn't play on the hardest. So because I, I was trying to get those tusks. Yeah. You need those tusks. And I'm like, okay, the mouth is open. Just fire like three of these arrows into the mouth. And it doesn't matter if it hits the tusk or not. As long as they detonate while his mouth is open and it does the damage, it'll drop it. Nope. Every single time they were destroyed. It, I took me a little bit to realize I had to hit the tusk itself with it. And it would break it off, and then I could collect it. Oh, that's sucky. It, it was it it was the most frustrating thing was trying to get those hippo tusks because I'm like, this is just fucked up. <laughs> and again, all I could think of is, well, maybe it's because of the difficulty that I'm playing it on. If I played it on an easier difficulty, maybe this would be more enjoyable. Yeah. But from what it sounds like, no, well, <laughs> like it was well, yeah. just a drag to get this shit. Yeah. And I'll be honest, the, 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 the gear that I was running around with none of it, I never got to a point where I needed tusks to upgrade anything. Like, oh, okay. Like, I don't know if it's because I was using different gear. It could be, um, you know, my stuff required, you know, frost claw stuff. I needed frost claw. <clears throat> um, I had a few snap maw things that I needed. Yeah. Uh, a couple of storm bird things I needed. Yeah. Um, but yeah, wide moths, the, uh, bat, I never, so here's the thing, right? So I basically, I finished with two legendary bows mm-hmm. and one, and my armor was legendary, but I only got those leveled up to like two or three okay. and the, the dread wings, those were like at level five. Yeah. And again, 
a combination of I didn't really feel like I needed to be more powerful than I was because I wasn't like I don't want to say that I wasn't having a challenge, but I didn't feel like I was under like yeah. powered like you needed to upgrade your equipment to play through the game. Yeah, I was like, oh, yeah, no, like my bow's at a three. My armor's at a two. I'm doing OK. I don't really think I need to. I think one thing I needed was I needed like three things from those fucking monkey ones. Oh, God. And I was like, I'm good. I don't need to do that. Yeah. Well, and that was the thing, though, is like I got my first set of gear and I was like, OK, I'll upgrade it. And that's you can upgrade pretty easy. The, yeah. The, the, the green stuff. Uh, uncommon. Yeah. You know, green items. I'm like, OK. And the, you can like upgrade them like three times. Right. And so I was like, cool. Upgraded them. And then I got new stuff and I was like, oh, shit. Yeah, I need to upgrade this stuff, too. So basically, I was like, I don't want to upgrade anything under a legendary because what's the point? Exactly. Like, I'm going to spend these resources that are hard to get mm -hmm. on this item that I know I'm just going to trade out for something better when I get it, you know? Yeah. And I was kind of the same way with like, I wasn't having a hard time in battles. I wasn't having a hard time with other things. So there wasn't really a need to, Yeah. if I had it and I had a plethora of them. Sure. Why not? Cause I wasn't spending my shards on anything else. I really wasn't. I found everything I needed in the world. There were better items out in the world than what I was buying from shops. You know, mm -hmm. the, the damage types played a little bit into this game, but I don't think they played nearly as much into this one as they did in the first one. Um, not for me, not until the end. There, the, the, there's certain enemies at the end that I had to, well, I didn't have to, but in, I decided to switch to use the stuff that they were weak against and it completely changed how difficult these things were. Okay. Cause normally I'm like you, I'm like, let me just hit weak points, blow stuff, blow off the weak points, take out the bad stuff. You know, my play style was a lot of concentration. I spent yeah. a lot of time in bullet time. Yeah. You know, my, I put on oh, I did coils too. that increased it. I, my armor increased it. Yep. I mean like all of that, like I spent, you know, faster regeneration of my concentration and that was it. Whole nine yards. There's there's a, a specific enemy that, that you see a lot of towards the end of the game. And they're weak to acid. Yeah. And because it's me, right? So I ran around with one of the 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 bomb, like the the bomb slingshots. Bomb slingshots. Yeah. yeah. Um and and they're weak against acid. And that those had acid bombs on them. So before, you know, like fighting them with my bow was pretty tricky. Man, this it was it like bonk, 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 dead. I'm like, yeah. oh, wow. that that. This is what I need. Yeah, to this do. is what I'm doing with these. Yeah. No, and there, there was a couple of things. So like a lot of the creatures, which and it kind of makes sense, right? They have sacks on them mm -hmm. that carry certain elements and you can blow up those sacks. Yeah. It's what they were. No, no, I'm, I'm laughing because I just recall how many times I would blow up those sacks when I was right next to them. Oh. And I would oh. get caught in the blast. Oh, terrible i can't tell you how many times i either set myself on fire or froze myself yeah fighting bellowbacks but those were always the ones that they were immune against mm -hmm. and i was like okay that kind of makes sense but at the same time it's like this really sucks because in blowing those up all you did was destroy a resource mm -hmm. that you could get 
so then it turned into avoid it. Yeah. Okay, I'm avoiding it and I'm hitting other weak spots. And I did the same. I spent a lot of time in concentration mode. I dumped a lot of points into like stealth mm -hmm. so that that first shot I could take out a lot of health if it was well placed. Yeah. And that's I I the mods and all that that I put on it solely for that because for me there was only maybe and I would say it was closer towards the end of the game three types of enemies that I could one shot mm. the rest of them. It was, if I hit them, I was lucky to take half of their health down with a stealth shot properly placed in a weak spot. Yeah. Like it, the battles were tough. There were several times where I was like, maybe I need to drop the difficulty on this. <laughs> Cause I was starting to not have fun. Mm. And that's where, that's when I really consider of maybe I need to drop the difficulty on this. Right. But it happened at a point in the game where I was like, I feel like I'm very close to the end and I would hate to rob myself of that achievement. <laughs> there you go. When I'm like, I, I do it, you know, you're like two bosses later and the game's over and you're like, God, I, was so close. <laughs> I was so close, you know? Yeah. Um. So like I stuck with it and I did beat it and it got easier and I, I just like. I learned new strategies, mm -hmm. but the world, there was a lot with this one. The world didn't feel as alive to me. There were certain areas where I was like, oh, this is, this is really cool, but it wasn't like the first one Yeah, where I'm like, this world feels like it's its own thing. Mm -hmm. And I do wonder if that's, there's a reason for it. It's part of the storyline. Yeah. But at the same time, I was kind of thinking about it and I'm like, no, because those things were also happening during the first game. So that doesn't really make sense. Yeah. And like, I was trying to figure it out, but it just, it just didn't feel the same for me throughout yeah. most of it. And I didn't care about the other characters. Yeah. Okay. So this is a heavy, big plot, right? Yes. So what do you say? Let's get into it. Well, I was going to say, let's, how about we try to do something a little different? How about we just do a synopsis? We're not going to go into every little thing. We'll just actually just give, cause we're also 30 minutes into the podcast already. Okay. So what do you think about a, just a real quick overview of the events? Yeah. And that way, right. Okay. So this game takes, and we can pull out certain parts of it that yeah. I, like we feel need more focus. Yeah. Okay. So let's do the synopsis real quick. Here's your spoiler warning. Boop. Hey guys, just want to give you a heads up. From here on out, there's a ton of spoilers. Listen at your discretion. Okay. So this takes place six months after you defeat Hades in the end of the first game. Yes. There are moments where Aloy says that she's gone off for six months and then, she, you know, when you come back and that kind of stuff. Um, and what what Aloy, Aloy is searching for, she's searching for the backup of Gaia so that way she can reverse the planet's degrading biosphere. Because now there's like this red, there's these red plants called the blight that are kind of taking over certain areas they're killing the vegetation, they're poisoning the water and stuff like that. So uh, Aloy and Varl from the first one, um, they go looking for a facility once belonging, belonging to Far Zenith, which was the company that is was doing the space colonization part of it from the first game. 
right? Yeah, the Ted Pharaoh. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> Aloy realizes that she has to go to the Forbidden West. And, and we said the last time the game took place in like Colorado and Utah. Mm-hmm. This one takes place a little bit in Utah, pretty much Las Vegas, and then San Francisco. So this is now the Forbidden West. Yeah. And you come across a new tribe called the Ten- T- the Tanakh. Tanakh. Um, <clears throat> and they're basically at a civil war with each other. There are three tribes. Um, there's the Lowlands, the Sky, and then the other ones. I don't remember what they were called. Um <clears throat> The the desert people. Uh, sure. I don't know. I don't know. Um, I can't remember either. And I, literally, we just played this game and it's so hard. But because, they again, the world was not alive. <laughs> um, and the reason that there's civil, civil war is because there's a rebel leader called Regala who wanted the war with the Karja. Right? Remember the red raids from the first one. She yeah. wants to keep fighting the Karja. So you've got the civil war while you're trying to find the the pieces of Gaia. Correct. So then basically what happens is, is you go and you get, um, a colonel. Yeah. You get a colonel guy is like, Oh, Hey, this is what we can do. If you go get these three other, um, sub processors yep. of mine, <clears throat> I can then take over, uh, what was his name? Hephaestus. Hephaestus. Who and Hephaestus is basically the one who's like, I'm turning out machines that are evil. And so if we can control that and get that under control, we can actually create machines for good, not for evil. Yeah. Right. Was my understanding. It, so I, I didn't feel that way. I felt it was more of Hephaestus is just turning out machines. Mm-hmm. He's just cranking out machine after machine after machine after machine after machine. But he's also not operating the way that he should be. Mm. He's kind of gone rogue. Mm-hmm. You know, I wouldn't say they were necessarily evil. But they, he was putting out more machines that weren't necessarily terraforming the world as they were to just, like, destroy and protect, yeah. you know, what was happening. Mm. It wasn't fixing it. It was just maintaining the status quo. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like, because I wouldn't. They weren't like corrupted, like what Hades did. Mm, no, it's true. Well, yeah, I mean, it wasn't the corrupted. Yeah, they weren't. They weren't intentionally seeking out civilizations to destroy things. They just weren't doing their job. <laughs> and we can get into more of that here later in the storyline to kind of flesh that out a little bit more. But that's more of what I felt like okay. they just weren't doing their jobs. Got it. But he refused to be assimilated. And the bad part with Hephaestus is Hephaestus didn't just exist in one place like the other subfunctions. Hephaestus existed in all of the cauldrons. Right? Mm-hmm. And that's what's explained. Like, that's why she's like, if I tried to take over Hephaestus, Hephaestus would actually take over me. Yeah, he's too powerful. Because he's too he's, powerful. He's uh, he's like Ultron in the, in the internet. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so you eventually meet Beta, who is... I'm sorry, did we even explain the Zeniths? Not yet. Okay. Um, so you meet Beta, who comes along with the Zeniths, okay? Because the far Zenith was the ship that was going off. Correct. And you believed it exploded. Yes. But it didn't. But it didn't. Um, 
So you end up meeting the Zenus and their names were Eric. Um, I forget the one chick's name. And then Gerard. Oh, I can't remember their names. I don't remember the other. And then the... Then there's another one who she kind of is like a background, like she's in the background for a little bit and then she becomes more important. Tilda. Yeah, Tilda. You learn that they have a, another clone of Elizabeth who they call Beta. And Beta basically is like. Their key. Their, yeah, their key. And that's, key. they exactly use her as such. Mm-hmm. She is a key. She is a tool for them to use. Um. Aloy ends up taking over like a base mm-hmm. and that's kind of cool in this one. Like now you have like a base of operations. Yeah. It's cool. It's a fun little hub. There's some fun stuff to do in there. You can. Well, and that's where like when you unlock the cauldrons, mm-hmm. that's where you have to go to spin the resources to like truly be able to unlock yeah. or, you know, tap into these animals and everything. So like they have a little station for that and, um, they did add. Yeah. They did add a fun little mini game, Strike Striker. Yeah, um, it's kind of like a weird version of chess. Yeah, I was gonna say chess, but it's like also like not. I don't know. It's it's like like pieces, and the pieces have powers, and you can move them around and stuff. It was. I, I did the tutorial. It was all right. And I was like, eh, it's all right. It's yeah. not as. It's not a game that really like sucked me into it. Right. Like Gwent. I was about to say. I was like, he's gonna say Gwent. <laughs> Absolutely, Gwent did. <laughs> Because it's it's not it, it's it's not that type of game, but basically all the pieces are based off of machines, mm-hmm. and each piece has a defense power and an attack power, and then like a certain range of movement. And per turn, you can move two pieces, whether that be to move an attack or move them or attack both of them or whatever. And you're basically trying to destroy your opponent's pieces. That's that's the gist of the game. Yeah. You have different terrains for the boards and they have different there's a lot to it that I was just like, this is almost unnecessary for me, mm-hmm. but it's all right. I could see a lot of people getting into it. There's a lot of strategy behind it. I played a few rounds, I won some pieces, you know, good stuff, but it wasn't something that I'm like, I have to seek out all of these. Yeah. That's what I was thinking too. Like if I maybe had more time to put into the game, I probably would have played a little bit more. Um, but again, at the same time I was kind of like, yeah, like it was all right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so you, uh, we already talked about that. You're looking for the other three subsystems. Correct. Right. Um, do you remember the names? Yeah, it was, nope, not those guys. Those guys, Aether, Demeter, and Poseidon. Correct. Um, obviously guess what Aether is for? Air. And what is Demeter for? Land. And what is Poseidon for? Water. Good job. Heart. <laughs> With these forces combined, <laughs> we create Gaia. Gaia. Captain Gaia. <laughs> Can you imagine if they made a live action? I mean, not that crappy one with. Um, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, that weird one, that dark one from uh, um, the, the web series. But yeah, no, an actual live action Captain Planet. It would be weird. It, it would be bonkers. Yeah. Um. So Aloy goes, go, you know, goes and runs off, and you go find those. Um, then one thing that you have to do is that you, you realize that, um, to capture Hephaestus, you require Ted Pharaoh's access code. Cause he's got Omega clearance. 
Yes. Um, so you have to go to his little headquarters. Um, in San Francisco. San Francisco. Ding, ding. Yep. Remember that commercial? Yep. Yep. Um, <laughs> there that they discover, and this, this infuriates me. Right. And the fiance and I kind of ha- like, ha- we had a little back and forth about it. But when you get to Pharaoh's bunker, mm-hmm. you find out that he's still alive. And he kept himself alive for the past millennia using gene therapy, but is severely mutated. And I'm sorry, but if you're going to say that Ted Farrow, the guy who caused the initial problem, mm-hmm. destroyed all of humanity's knowledge in the Apollo system by deleting it. Because he felt that it was too dangerous. Mm-hmm, killed the high-ranking members of Zero Dawn. Mm-hmm. And then you don't even fucking show him. He's not a boss battle. He's literally just a sound behind a door. Well, like, so like, I get where you're coming from. Right. Right. And as you're going through his bunker, you come upon these sound bites between a father and a daughter. Right. And the daughter is the daughter of the doctor that's doing this gene therapy to try and unlock immortality. Mm-hmm. That's the whole purpose, which I'm just kind of like, you were the cause of it. You realized you were the cause of it and want, deleted Apollo. That was that wrong way, but I feel like Ted kind of was like, I acknowledge what I did was bad. And mm-hmm. to prevent it from happening in the future, I need to erase it from history, right? Right. Hence the deletion of Apollo. So you come to kind of come to this self-realization of, I already fucked up, but I'm not going to let future generations repeat my mistake. And then you go into a secret bunker in which you're like, well, then I'm going to live forever. Yeah. Didn't make sense to me. But you find out that there's like a handful of people who live in the bunker with him. And as they kind of start piecing together and figuring out like Ted's really, really not a good guy. He kills them. Yeah. There's like a thing in his head that he just kind of like, boop, hits a button and they die. Yeah. And I'm like, okay. But he then does. But by the time you stumble upon him, he's not. He's not one like little thing, right? No. He is a tumor in the planet, and he is like a mountain-sized tumor in the planet. That's how I saw that. Um. Okay. Because you see like this little thing when she realizes yeah. behind this door is Ted. Mm-hmm. And it's this huge interconnecting network of like cells and blood vessels, blood veins and all that other stuff. And it looks massive. Mm-hmm. And I was like, if that is what Ted has become, he's not really sentient. He's just alive. Right. So then why bother? Because then they had to give you the reason as to why you had to rush out of there. Why not just go, cool, we got the code. Now we can leave. You see what I'm saying? They, no, they, no, I get it. They get put it. in a climax that to me doesn't climax. Or I don't climax from this. <laughs> Giggity. <laughs> like, um, cause, cause, I get what you're saying because it, like, I think it was supposed to be, and I'm just, I'm just spitballing right, here. It's right. not that I disagree with your statement. I totally do because I felt like this was an utter waste of my time. Yeah. But you had Ted, the ultimate bad guy from the first one that, like, you don't actually get kind of any 
resolve with mm-hmm. because the last you see him is he deletes Apollo, kills everybody in the room and walks away. Yeah. And like, that's it. Ted's Ted's done. Mm-hmm. It's whatever. So you don't get any actual like closure as far as this massive storyline of like what happened in the past. So this was their attempt to try and give you that closure, but they didn't do it well because you're right. Basically, you're with this. It's another a tribe of people that came from across the ocean mm-hmm. um, that are seeking knowledge. And the leader of it is a Ted Pharaoh clone. Mm-hmm. And so he believes he's the re-embodiment of Ted Pharaoh. And Ted Pharaoh is the the savior that Elizabeth Sorbeck was just his lackey, mm-hmm. right? And so he finds out that Ted's still alive, and he orders his guys to go in and burn him. Yeah. And that's when Ayla is like, no, don't. If you kill him, this facility will, like, self-destruct type deal. But it's already too late. They take one torch, and they, like, burn him with it. Yeah, which is um, which to me is, like, mountain-sized. But that's what I'm saying. Like, that's where I was confused because I'm like, that's not going to fucking do it. But it does. But it does. It kills him. And so then the the thing starts self-destructing. But I feel like that was supposed to be like, you got closure. You killed Ted. But you you don't. But you don't. Yeah. But Ted's dead. Now you know Ted's dead. So we're going to do the thing that we always do. We're going to say, what if they had done it this way? Would this have made it better or not? Right? Yeah. Imagine you get there and you find a corpse. And through audio logs, you learn that Ted Farrow went insane, killed everybody in the bunker with him, and then created automated versions of things to help him because that's the lifestyle that he was accustomed to. Mm -hmm. And then they turned on him and killed him. Then you have to fight machines to get out. Yeah. And there's like four other games that have done that. (laughs) But I wouldn't have, I would have, I would have at least had more stake in this. I, I, I I get what you're saying. And I agree with you. Because it would have been. And at least you got the closure. Ted's dead. Here's his body. Yeah. You get the Omega clearance code. Yeah, you're like, oh shit, Ted fucked up again because of his fucking ego. He modified things the way that he shouldn't be. We have to stop this version of things before it gets out and corrupts other versions of things. So you're forced to fight these machines. Mm-hmm. You have a little bit more stake in it. During that fight, Ted clone dies because he does anyways. And he still needed to because he was a douche just like Ted. By the way, I love the fact that his name is CEO. C-E-O. Yeah. That was one of the greatest jokes that they like never even hinted at. I know. The entire time I was like, I like that. <laughs> That's great. It's <laughs> that great. Um, And like, and then you, you barely escape, but you've trapped or killed his monstrosities in the bunker. Yeah. Right. I I would have more stake in that. That's where I'm like, I feel like in this one, they were trying to do too much Mm. because you have gather the sub processes, right? Dealing with the Zenith Mm -hmm. because it goes from, and this is where I had one of the problems. It goes from, I need to gather the sub processes to, take over Hephaestus so that I can then fix the world and save the world Mm -hmm. to, I need to gather the sub processes to take over Hephaestus so I can build an army to kill the Zeniths. Yeah. 
what happened to saving the world? Because that literally, like, as soon as the Zeniths show up, she's like, I need to stop them. Now, granted, you do find out the Zeniths are there to destroy the world. Mm -hmm. The source code or the signal that was sent came from the Zeniths' home planet to basically wipe out this world, use Hades to destroy this world, so that they could have basically gotten here and just started re-terraforming. Yep. Right? And so you're like, they're not here to help us save it. They're here to kill everybody on the planet. So before I can even save the world, I have to kill them. But she emphasizes so much in the first half of this game, you have days. Not months. Days. To get these things to save the world. Because if you don't, then it'll be too far gone and there's there's no saving it. Right. Mm -hmm. But then it's like. But now you you're not saving the world. You have the sub processes and you have Festus, but you're not saving the world. You're waging war. What? (laughs) I, I just I didn't like the flow of events. Yeah. You know, and so like through this. When you're going through and getting them, I'm just kind of like, I feel like the main purpose was lost. Mm. Her goal from the get-go of the game was to save the world. And now it's, here's this enemy who's far more powerful than us. Because I I, I can't remember if you mentioned it. The Zeniths are basically not only immortal, Mm -hmm. but the technologically advanced, uh, how technologically advanced they are, you can't defeat them no they they you can't even hurt them yeah they have shields that you can't penetrate yeah and so like you're like oh shit and that's why you're kind of like well if i get hephaestus i can overwhelm them with numbers yeah i'll have hephaestus just dump out a shit ton of machines from all the cauldrons and we will overwhelm them with numbers and hopefully that will break down their shields and we'll be able to kill them mm-hmm so like, okay, now now we're now we're killing the Zeniths. Okay, cool. And then it's like, oh well, wait, hold on a second. We have Beta, and Beta can help us. I wanted to shoot Beta in the face. That woman is so fucking depressing. Um. I wanted to stop playing the game because every time you had to interact with her, I'm just like, this is just sad. Well, yeah, but I mean, it's the point, right? I guess they, she's a, the, the point is to have your players kill themselves. No, the point is that we need to introduce beta so that way we can show. So first and foremost, we can have the knowledge that the, that the far Zenith have to an extent, to an extent. And then we can show the difference between the, the right. The difference is, is that it, it, right, it's nature versus nurture. Correct. Right. Elizabeth, Elizabeth was a very independent, forward thinking, strong woman, mm-hmm. you know, who, who made a, a, a really hard decision at a very dark time. And that's what you see in Aloy. And so you see that resolve in Aloy, but what happens, it's not because she's a clone of Elizabeth. It's because uh, Ross, she was raised. It was because Rost 
made her that way. Correct. And that is, and, and don't get me wrong. Let her develop that way. Right. And I think that's a key difference. He didn't make her that no. way. He let her develop right. that way. He raised her that way. Correct. And and don't get me wrong, right? I mean, I had problems. Right. So first and foremost, the very beginning of this game, Aloy annoys the hell out of me with her whole, I have to do this on my own. I can't have friends. I was like, you can and you will. Like, which don't be stupid. It did feel very out of character. Right. Because that's not how she is in the first game. I don't. Yeah, I don't really. I remember her. A lot of it being her like I need to. Do, the reason I need to do this is because I'm the one who has the key. Yeah. But like she but wasn't. She didn't refuse help. Yeah. So in this felt, one, she refuses it if, a yeah, lot. So that the first half with her until you start getting your little Scooby Doo gang together, like yeah, like that's rough. So I can see where you're coming from because yeah, the same thing with Beta. I was like, she's just so dark and dour and depressing and whiny and, but they do it so that way you can have the moment where where Aloy is like, we're the from the same person, but the difference is is that I had this man raise me to be this way while beta was basically just kept in a closet and only told to look through X amount of information. And her only escape was occasionally being able to talk to one of the Zeniths in like a private chat room, basically. Yeah. That they weren't supposed to have. Yeah. Which you then learn it's because they were lovers. Really? You didn't get that impression? No. Yeah. So when you, so like afterwards, what's her name tilda tilda right yeah so you you go through you get his omega key code Mm -hmm. right and then you basically set up this trap for hephaestus Mm -hmm. you have all three processors and you set up a trap for hephaestus right where you're going to draw hephaestus to one of the cauldrons and then trap him in that cauldron so that you can then assimilate him into Gaia. Mm-hmm. Gaia then basically tells you, okay, so there's a problem here. I can't do that from here because if we cut him off from all the cauldrons so he can't escape, then I can't access that cauldron, which she doesn't have access to anyways. It's part of your home base. You're cut off from everything. It's why you're protected from the Zenith. Yeah. Beta then basically goes, well, there's an issue here with that because if we do that, it's going to trigger a huge power surge and the Zeniths are going to be like, there, yeah, we need to go there because they're also searching for all of these sub-processes, right? Mm-hmm. So then you go, okay, we're going to trigger three other cauldrons to make it look like huge power surges are happening there while we do the one here. And that's what you do. While you're doing that one, the Xenus see right fucking through your plan. Yeah. Right? They kidnap Beta again. Kill Varl. Kill Varl. And you, I, you fall unconscious and Tilda saves you. Right. And when you wake up, you find out that you're basically in Tilda's home in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Where she has stored all of this, like, classic art and all that shit right you then get out and you talk to her and she kind of like starts explaining like i'm not like the rest of the Zenas. i had a special connection with elizabeth and if you ask those like you go through that conversation i very much got the idea of they were lovers hmm. and when the decision came down to hop on this spaceship and fly away or stay here and fight she chose to hop on the spaceship and fly away. And Elizabeth went, 
I can't do that. I'm staying here and fighting. And she's always regretted not staying with Elizabeth. Really? Yeah. I didn't get that. Oh, yeah. I fully got that. Because then way later on in the game, it kind of comes to fruition, right? In the you basically tell her, okay, if you're willing to help us, we'll take your help. You end up teaming up with what's his nuts? Aaron. No. Silence. Silence. Siler. Or what? Silence. That's it. S-Y-L-E-N-S. Yes. And find out that he basically has been, you known from the get-go, he has supported the rebel leader in the Tanakh mm-hmm. because she's going to win, defeat the chieftain that rules over all three of the clans, and then in their agreements to that, he's going to take her army and attack the Zeniths mm-hmm. with it. Because he's developed a device that can disable the Zenith shields, right? Yep. Aloy got Aloy and says, fuck no, we're not going, because she understands he's basically using them as cannon fodder. Mm -hmm. They will be ripped to motherfucking shreds. Yeah. So she's like, we're not going to do that. She goes and saves the Tanoth. 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 Sorry. And... She basically then goes, okay, let's figure out a new way. They free Hephaestus because they did capture Hephaestus. They free Hephaestus. So Hephaestus can like basically put out a shit ton of machines to help them fight this war. Mm. They sneak up on the Zenith base. She sends two of her guys off to basically free Beta to help free Hephaestus and hook him up to the Zenith. Um, machine generator, uh, assembler or whatever. Close, okay. Yeah, I I don't know what exactly they call it. But. Well, so so Catalo and Alma mm-hmm. go to to do the distraction blow up. It you go save Beta. That's right. That's right. Sorry. That's okay. But in that process, you're then able to hook Hephaestus up to their equipment so Hephaestus is cranking out yeah. monsters which is really which is a really fun little sequence to it watch. is that's pretty fun and you use Silen's device to disable the devices <laughs> right yeah and so then you start seeing these creatures and everything just ripping the fucking zenith to that, shreds that was awesome it was and that's when you fight Gerald nope you fight Eric Eric sorry, sorry. Eric I couldn't remember the the, the separation they're in, of the two. Of them. They're they're interchangeable because you see them like twice before and you don't really care about them. I didn't. That's the thing. Like the character development in this was not as strong as the first one, unfortunately. Yeah. Keep going back to too much, too big. Yeah. And so you fight him, you kill him, and then you go up and that's when you meet back up with Tilda. Yep. And find out Tilda's killed the other one. Yep. And she basically says, look, here's my secret. In our attempt to create immortality, we like data dumped basically copies of our memories and souls into this device that then kind of grew out of hand and sought revenge on us. And when it broke free yeah we locked it in a box yeah <laughs> to just fester yeah and when it broke free it went fucking 
ape shit crazy completely annihilated all of our technology turned it all against us me and a handful of other us we barely fled with our lives but it's following us here well and the other thing is that it's actually the thing that sent the activation code for hades yep because it wanted to burn the ground so the Zenus didn't have a place to land because it knew they were coming here correct it like it's the mega ai Mm -hmm. and she's like there's no stopping it we just stopped here to get gaia get the sub processes so we could actually leave this world go to a different world terraform it and live there hopefully outside of the eyes of this thing like basically outrun it Mm -hmm. that's still the plan we have gaia we have all these sub functions we have everything we need to do this. Come with me. Let, let's not make the same mistake again. Come with me. And Aloy is like, no. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to save the people here. And Tilda's like, I thought you were going to say that. And then tries to like take her by force. So you have to fight her. Boss fight. Yeah. In which you kill her. And then Silence like, I'm boarding the fucking ship. Yeah. <laughs> I'm getting the GTFO. <laughs> and um, Aloy's like, well, nope, I'm staying here. We're going to fight. We're going to figure this out. We're, we're going to put everything into it. We know the threat's coming. We're going to stand our ground. We can be, be prepared. Yeah. And so Silence's like, all right, deuces. And he walks towards the ship and then walks back. Well, and then I love how they show it. They show him look down at Aloy and everybody else and they're all like hugging and clapping and celebrating and then they're like, "Where's he going?" and she's like, "Oh, he's taking off." And they're like, "Apparently not." And then he's like walking down the stairs and he's like, "You'll I, do you'll you'll be able you won't be able to do this without me." Is yeah. or whatever he says. I'm going to help you this one last time to yeah. deal. And then I'm I'm you know, we're we're parting ways for good. Yeah. Do you think he's going to be the main boss of the last game? I do. I kind of think so too. I'm 100%. Kinda, I'm kind of leaning building it up to it. Yeah. From the first game. And like, I was actually kind of upset because I was kind of like, you put too much into this one and prepared for a third one. When, if you knew a third one was coming, you could have scaled back a mm-hmm. little bit and still made it where there's a third game. Right. Oh, it would have been super easy. Absolutely. Have this game just be getting Gaia back together and, and up and functioning and then end this game with the Zenith Zenith showing up and like stealing it or trying to steal it or like, hi, we're the new threat. Even, or, or even that of Gaia going, the activation code is being sent again. Mm. I'm detecting the activation code and it's only five years out. Yeah. That'd been good too. You know? And so it's then a, well, what the fuck is this new threat? Yeah. Just enough information to be like, wait, that's not possible. But enough to go, another game's coming. Yeah. You know? Like, like that's how I would have done it. Yeah, because... I'm the, not a game designer, but that's how I would have done it. Well, yeah, because like the Xenas, to me, in, in the overall story, the Xenas don't play a huge role. Really, all that they do is they 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 deliver beta. And that's beta is not needed. And and yeah, like you don't really need the beta character. Beta is not needed because the only reason why beta is needed is because the Zeniths are there. Yeah. 
when they go to do Hephaestus, they set up a secondary processor so that Aloy and Beta both can use the Omega clearance, right? Mm-hmm. To double the processing power to try and take over Hephaestus. But if the Zeniths weren't there, then there's no reason for Beta to be. Yeah. Because they could have used the one processor, which was going to take, what, like eight hours or some shit like that originally. Yeah. And they decided to use two because it would greatly reduce the time. But if there was no Zenus, there's no time crunch. Yeah. Beta was not needed. No. And <sighs> if the Zenus without the Zenus, like if right. the Zenus didn't make an appearance, Beta would not be needed. That's it. Yeah. That's, that's fully what that is. So, yeah, if you didn't do the Zenus in this one. And you could have done it in the second one. Had him show up before this event happened. Even the same kind of storyline of we're going to take what we need to from you. So you're defending Gaia or you they take Gaia and you got to get Gaia back from them. And then you find out, oh, hold on. That was just part one of the game. Part two of the game is here's this big motherfucking AI system that is super angry. Yeah. <laughs> like now we have to defend that, mm-hmm. you know, and kind of do it that way of where the third game was just about the Zenus and the AI. Mm. It wouldn't have been too much. I don't feel like it would have been. Yeah. <coughs> but, and you still could have introduced beta mm-hmm. and this game would have just been focusing on the Tanakh, whatever. Um, the, the rebel leader, silent, like that aspect of the story. Yeah, because you could have, you could have just had it be that, like, so, because then the question becomes, right, why is Silence helping Regala, teaching her how to override machines to use in her war, right? There is that. I because, think of that. Because his motivation is to do that, so there'll be that cannon fodder. Yeah. Right? So all you got to do is twist that on why would Silence be helping them out? Have him be fucking captured. Have him be captured. Yeah. And he's, and he's being forced to work with them. And then you rescue him. And he's like, hey, by the way, I'm detecting not one, but two energy signatures on their way here. One of them is the energy signature of the 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 that spa- matches the one that Hades received. Yeah. 18 years ago or yeah. whatever. Or you have, so, you know, or he's like or or you could even go a step further and have it be like he needs their help to get to San Francisco. You go there and you pull up and you're like, oh, weird. It looks like the far zenith, which was supposed to be destroyed, is on its way back. And there's something else behind it. And that's that thing is matches the energy signature that set off Hades. Like you yeah. could have done something like that because there's you know, a bunch of things that they could have done. They crammed too much into this game. And it's and the world is too big. I'm sorry. I think the world is too big. There are places I still have yet to go. I can't say the same. I've explored the entire world. <laughs> I feel like this one but is so much bigger. And like you were saying, it is, it, it's, it is bigger and it doesn't feel as fleshed out. Like it doesn't, it doesn't feel as lived. In. And that's the problem that I have. And the only thing that I can think of to resolve that, as I said, doesn't quite make sense because it is an issue in the first game is those sub processes are broken into their individual areas, Mm -hmm. but they are in the first game as well. Yeah. And the first game felt more fleshed out. So because this is how I operate to even counter that. I'm like, yeah, but this is six months further down the storyline. A little bit more is happening. We have the deterioration of the planet Mm -hmm. and everything like that. 
which they also don't explain. You don't research very well. It's just, hey, this is happening. And to stop it, I need these sub processes so that they're up and running correctly and we can get everything going, you know? Mm -hmm. And it, it just too many questions, not enough answers and a shit ton of useless information. That's what I felt like this game was. Yeah. Story, I, I, the strong story, like I liked it, but it was too much. Right. I, I had too many things going on at the same time where it was just like, it detracts from any one thing. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to get the sub processes, but I'm also worried about the zeniths and I'm, I'm dealing with betas fucking depression yeah and i gotta talk to all of the scooby gang yeah. individually and see how they're doing by the way i saw i saw the crows over varl's head right before the mission where he dies because it's like what are you guys doing after this and he's like we're gonna go and start a family or whatever like i mean there was so much stuff that i, I even called out to the fiance i was like i saw it the minute you meet her oh yeah Yep, and Varl's reaction, I was like, he dead. <laughs> My wife was like, who? And uh, I was like, Varl. And she's like, why? And I was like, because he just fell in love. <laughs> you can't have nice things in this world. Any movie, game, comic, book, what, whatever. Right. Story plot where you have this kind of dynamics going on and one sub character yep. falls in love they, they dead they dead oh yeah so the minute he meets her and he's kind of like i, I want to go with her <laughs> i'm like you dead bro you dead they just solidified it the moment she was like i'm pregnant well unfortunately i think that actually happened her you finding out that she was pregnant actually I think it happens after because it because you talk about it when you're looking at his grave Oh, you do. But and there was she, some there was like, something else. Weird seed patch pouch thing. Yeah, but there was something else when you're having a conversation with both Varl and Zoe before you go on that mission, there's like like they both say stuff. It's like like he legit says, like, we're gonna go back to the sacred lands. I'm gonna introduce her to my family, and then we're we're gonna go back to Plain Song and now we're gonna visit her people, and then we're just gonna see what happens. I was yeah. yeah. Like and then she says some stuff like that. Yeah, like no, it's but writing was on the fucking wall. Yeah, I didn't catch so it when it happened in the in the little cutscene. I was like, yeah, that's about right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The second Eric showed up, I was like, oh, this is when Varl dies. Noble and honorable death. Yep, yep. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, it was it was bad. Yeah, but but again. I didn't care about any of them. Oh, yeah. That's the other unfortunate thing. I'm right there with you. Uma or whatever her Alma. name. Alma. Didn't care about her. The one-armed guy didn't care about him. Catalo. I um, kind of liked him. It was nice to see somebody who, like, you know, comes from, like, a very proud tribe. And yeah. And he loses an arm. And him having to kind of process that. And I do like that you go on the mission to get a metal arm for him. And he's that like, I'll cool. he's like, I'll use it when I need it, but it's, it's not a part of me. It doesn't define me. This is who I am. I like that kind of message. The acceptance of it. Yeah. Because he goes through those stages of I'm nothing. Yep. I shouldn't even be here. I should be dead. I'm worthless. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, well, Gaia's kind of helped me out and I might be able to build an arm. I can help you. Yeah. Build an arm. Well, but when he originally goes to build the arm, when he's getting all the components, 
it feels like he's like, once I build this arm, I'll be whole again. Oh, totally. That's but as you go through the process of getting the components, he starts accepting it more. And then once you do it and he uses the arm mm -hmm. and you kind of come back to him and he's not wearing it, he's like, I've realized that's not who I am. Yeah, I like that. This one. is who I am. So, yes, his sub story, I was kind of like, that's good. But him as an actual person in the oh, game, yeah. if no, he no. died, I wouldn't have been like, oh, yeah, no. It would have just been like, oh, well, yeah. I like Aaron. Another one bites the dust. <laughs> I like Aaron. If anything happened to Aaron, I'd be upset. But that's because I liked him from the first one. Yeah. Even in this one, he doesn't add a lot. No, he doesn't. There's not a whole lot of interactions with him. Even his little sub quest to like, which you may not have done because you didn't do the bandit camps. But if you um, raid all the bandit camps mm -hmm. and everything, you find out that basically the leader of the bandit camp is an outcast from his tribe. Uh. Yeah. So then you're like, we have to go and stop her. And so he teams up with you to go to her headquarters to stop her. But it's not that great of like a sub storyline. Right. And that's it. it the rest of the time, it's like, you want to play strike? Yeah, I'm drinking. I, I like if I have to listen to Varl and his whore fuck each other one more right. time. And then, then I like how they're like, wow, will he please stop playing that heavy metal music? I, I do like the new tribes. Most of them. I don't really like the Tanakh. Like they're just kind of like whatever. I like the Utaru. They're because they're like all about singing and stuff. Yes. Right. I, I thought that was pretty cool. I think the Quen, which are the ones that Alma belongs to, they're the ones that are basically designed as like knowledge. They they just yeah, and like it's bureaucratic. Yep. It's like this is your role. This it's is like what you Romans. do. Yeah, their leader is called CEO, CEO, right? I thought that that was kind of fun because I liked that, right? I liked the clans and I liked the way that the clans viewed the world, right? Yeah. I said it last time, the Osram, I love how everything to them is like forge and fire and striking yeah. metal. Like, I love that. Which they make an appearance in this. Yeah. And like the Karja do too, to a, a little, little degree, very minimal extent. Um, But yeah, the desert clan. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't feel like they were flushed out. No, because as I said, the Tanakh, like they they didn't do anything for me. Well, the um the Plain Song Clan, they're Tanakh. No, 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 they're the Utaru, the ones at Plain Song. Yeah, with with the Triceratops. Yeah, ones? yeah, yeah that's that's the Utaru. They're the they're the singing ones. They're like they sing. Yeah, but and they're, they're still Earth. all a part of the Tanakh. No, they're not. Because they were fighting with the Tanakh. You go up to that camp up in the north, and the Tanakh, they're fighting them. They're not. I actual... thought that was the rebels that were fighting them. Mm. Oh, okay. Again. It, well, yeah. Right? That should be like a big indicator here of like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Zero effect. Yeah. The main storyline was good. Everything else was just kind of like, eh. A little subpar. Yeah. And it's sad. Because the first game was very good, mm -hmm. very good in all a lot of these aspects, but it was one of those of like, they made it a mile wide and a mile deep. Yeah. And, but it was just fucking murky as hell. One thing that they did do better in, in the second one, the writing. I did enjoy riding around on the charger a hell of a lot more yeah. than I did in the first one. They improved that's, that. That's it. Well, like, that's not the only thing. This is one of the things I wanted to bring up is that the writing is at least way more. Is writable? Yes. Yeah. They fixed that. Yeah. 
but that's where I'm saying like there's very few main storyline they fixed the writing the combat i enjoyed combat felt just the same yeah you can equip more weapons again you, oh, you could you, half of them there was used. a lot more variety in what you could do there's a skill tree yep the skill tree is which way has expanded six six or seven paths yeah. that you can go down in various different things and i will tell you if you go through everything and you level up fully and you do all the little side quests you get enough points to max out um to basically buy everything right and that you have those like specialty skills like your like omega skill or right. whatever it's called right and you can buy like three of those and max them out mm-hmm. and then like you're, you're that's capped yeah but the- so like all of the little sub skills mm-hmm. and everything you can buy all of those in every single tree but then i had like the sharpshooter i had the stealth Stealth and then field. I had the defense, the the overshield. Yeah, yeah, man. Those were the overshield. three that I purchased, mm-hmm. and then I had enough to like put like points into a couple other ones, but didn't have enough to like max them out. Mm. Yeah, I maxed out my overshield and my my stealth generator. Yep, and those were the only two that I used. Mm-hmm. I did unlock a bunch. Like I unlocked like the potion because you have to kind of do that one first before you can get the overshield. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't put any points into it, and I didn't really use a lot of like I unlock stuff like I can add up to three arrows on my normal bow. Yeah, you know, or I can add a second, uh, not a second. Um, I not that one, the other one where you can um, with your your sharpshooter bow, you can like get a super zoom in yeah, on yeah. that one, like stuff like that. Like the combo system with the spear, never the only one of the only thing I used on that was the <coughs> I'm gonna hit them and then I'm going to pull the right trigger so I jump on them and jump off so I can immediately go back into my bow and shoot them because again. I went full straight bow, like yeah. any melee combat. I was like, get me out of here as quick as I can. And that was, that was a big part of it. I don't feel like the melee combat was as strong mm-hmm. as like the bows and the, the, the ranged weapons. Yeah. were. So like melee was the, Oh shit. Oh shit. Oh shit. This is to get me away. <laughs> yeah. Not to actually fight and engage with, you mm. know, it's all about the ranged or at least it was for me as well. Yeah. You know, and, but no, that's what I'm saying. Like, if you went through all of the subquests, if you did all of the little things, you got enough points to unlock all of it. Yeah. All of it. So, like, when I went into that final battle, I had everything. Yeah. And so, even then, I'm like, I'm playing on the hardest difficulty, but because I had so much unlocked, I was max level. So, I had so much health, you know, and everything mm-hmm. like that. I that that last battle was not difficult for me. Yeah, it, there is a, a little I had bit harder of, times fighting the fucking bats. It's those fucking claw striders or claw strikers or with those mm-hmm. things. I, I, I'm like, man, give me like seven snap mods or give me like three tide rippers, oh, because yeah. that is one thing I will say. Um, the it, it came out of left field when you go for Poseidon and you have to fight that first tide ripper, the music that plays during that fight is fucking great. It is. I immediately downloaded it onto my Spotify. Nice. Cause it is so awesome. I also don't mind the song that's playing when she's riding at the very beginning mm-hmm. of the game. And then it's the same song that plays at the end when you're flying. Yep. Cause again, spoiler warning, eventually you can f- get a flying mount. Only one. 
and it's a part of the storyline though and it happens like you, pretty much right at the end of the right game. at the end of the game yeah and that was one of the things that i didn't like is so you you're going through the game and there are a couple of like the sub quests yeah and collectible things you need a flying mount to get so it kind of felt like part of the game because there's some of the like the stuff the material that you need to upgrade your shit yeah you can't get until certain monsters actually make an appearance in the world yep i uncovered the entire world and it wasn't until after the game that like the bat or um like song or the storm birds and mm. everything actually started making more of an appearance in the mm. world to a point where i was like i can go and harvest from these guys now yeah so it's like it wants you to push through the main story of the game and then hang out in the world after. Yeah, I felt they, that too. They designed it a lot more for the in-game content. And I was just like, I don't like that. Yeah. I, I, I didn't. I wish it was a lot better. Because, yeah, you get you can mount a sun, sun wing. And um, there's like six or seven quests that you need him for. Really? I didn't even feel like I needed it that much. I know that there's one because there's one that's like you have to go up to the top of the mountain, mm -hmm. get the girl's armor, fight the storm wing. Mm -hmm. But that was like and then there's like where the main quest where you got to drop the bomb on Alma's that. tribe is. Yeah, there's like three of them. Oh, OK. I didn't do. But by that point, I was like story mission, story mission. I didn't do any of the side stuff there. Yeah, that was. But that's it. Like mm. and, and they don't even appear until after. Oh, God. You get the, the ability to mount it. Mm. So that's where I'm like. This is it's weird. It's a weird design choice. Yeah. Especially since you put this ability so late in the game, mm -hmm. like, cause you don't, you don't get it until after you go to that one cauldron that, that you have to do. Yeah. And that's when you get there's, it. Yeah. There's two cauldrons that you have to do. One is to help plain song. Mm -hmm. And then one is to do the story quest to get Hephaestus. Correct. And in that one is when you get the ability for the Sunwing. Yeah. And that's it. And I'm just kind of like, meh. Yeah. And, you know, I, I don't know. Like, this is probably me being super nitpicky, and I'm going to own that right now. But I wanted to test what it was like. So I got on the Sunwing, and I flew really high in the air, and then I got off. I was kind of hoping you would go into, like, a skydiver position, and then, you know, you can maybe, like, move around. No, it is literally like you just fall off a mountain. Like you fall 100% straight vertically. Yep. You can turn on your glider because that's a new thing as a glider. Yeah, that is pretty cool. I that's do pretty like fun. Glider. Yeah, I use it to cross like rivers and stuff. Mm -hmm. Like I don't want to swim, jump, swoop. Um, But yeah, like I was kind of hoping for more. And maybe it was like my, you know, like God, like um, <clears throat> Ghost Recon Wildlands. Yeah. You know, you'd get in a helicopter, jump out, you do your free fall, pull your parachute. And that was kind of the vibe I was hoping I would get out of this. But no, it's that vertical straight fall, but you can put on the glider. Or you can have the bird come back and pick you up. Which was also kind of cool. That was pretty fun. I, I think that was kind of cool. But, but you fall so damn fast. That's mm -hmm. the problem. You fall super quick. Yeah. There's been a couple of times where I actually accidentally hit the wrong button and oh. I fell off the bird and I was like, well, I'm dead. No, no. <laughs> okay. Let's try that again. Right. But no, it, there's a lot of nitpicky stuff because overall, I think it's still fun. I think the world is still fun. Mm -hmm. The combat is still fun. The main storyline is still fun. 
but there was just there was so much that I just I I was overwhelmed. Yeah. And that took away from a little bit of the fun. That was all. No, and I I can totally understand that. I like I said, I mean I I did I enjoy my time with it? Yes. But do I think that it has problems? Of course. It um <clears throat> Yeah, my big thing is if you have a sequel, right? And we already know it's the same thing with movies or books mm. or any kind of art form in which you have a sequel, right? The first one's always fucking amazing because it's the first time you've stepped foot in this world yeah. or in in this whatever's going on, right? The second one always has a bigger hurdle to jump because not only do you have the expectations of the first one, but you can never recapture that this is new and this is amazing feeling. Right. Right. But I think what you should always strive for is to at least get equal in everything that you can in a sequel. Right. Right. And I don't feel like this game did it. No, it definitely felt like it took, it learned from the first one, but it wanted, it, it pushed a little bit farther mm-hmm. and i think they just uh, oh, they just kind of overreached they pushed they sh- over the cliff yeah they should have dialed it back like 10 15 percent correct i would have liked a, a a more a sharper story that was a little more straightforward a smaller world and and again right and this is again just my opinion is that i think you know the world was too big and it didn't because here's the other thing in the first game to me Every step I took felt dangerous. Yeah. Like I never felt like I was really, there was any real safe places that weren't riding through the, the countryside, which in this, there's a lot of that where it's like, I'm just riding to get from point A to point B. And there's not a ton of stuff like that. I'm going to come across. So in the beginning, yes. But as the game develops, and this is one of those weird design choices as the game develops, monsters start appearing in those areas. So, like I was doing everything and then you have that desert area. Right. Right. And Vegas. I had some stuff to do down in the desert Vegas area. Right. Mm. And so I rode from plain song down to the desert. Oh my God. I like, I, I don't like fast travel systems. I do like I'm in the world. And if I come across something, let's fight it. Yeah. Get resources. Or maybe I'll just like in games like this. I feel like if you fast travel a lot, you can miss a lot of like secrets mm-hmm. and there are, there are some secrets that even once you unlock the, the tall necks, yeah. they do not appear on the map. You have to stumble upon them. So I always like just traveling normally. Mm-hmm. Right. And because they did, they did make the horse riding system far better Yeah, in this game. I didn't mind doing it as much, but like I'd made this trek a couple of times before in the game and no problem. I make this trek again, and then I realize, like, there's, like, 12 more different types of monsters along this route than there were a few hours earlier Mm. in the storyline. So as you progress through the storyline, the world becomes more full of these machines. Mm. Weird design choice to me. But at the same time, it's one of those, like, the giant cobras. Oh, yeah. Right? Sl- Slither fangs. Yes. You only encounter like two or three of them in the main storyline. You have the mm-hmm. one at the space shuttle and then you have it, the one in the arena. And I want to say there's one somewhere else. But um, in the world, 
you can't come across them until you hit a certain part in the storyline. And then they start showing up in the world. Oh, I was going to say, I was like, no, I had markers for them. But after a certain part in the storyline, I mean, I must not have noticed it because I, I did a lot of world exploration and sub quests mm-hmm. before I advanced in the main story. Right. Makes so sense. as I'm running around, I'm like, man, this is like a really big dead area. Yeah. But then I started noticing as I was looking at my map and kind of reviewing things, I was like, there are three different types of monsters here now that weren't there before. Mm. That's weird. And then I like Stormbirds. Stormbirds didn't show up on my map for the longest fucking time. And then towards the end, I was like, oh, shit, there's a Stormbird here and there's a Stormbird here. Where the fuck did they come from? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's it it was weird to me. It was weird that they did it. Oh, that you way. know, now that you mention it, there's like a there's like a tide ripper, like in the southwestern portion. Mm-hmm. And I don't. I remember being like, oh, now there's a symbol for a Tide Ripper. That's cool. But like, it didn't click until you said it now that I'm thinking about it. Yeah. That, yeah, it probably happened that I was looking down over there and was like, there's nothing here. Mm-hmm. And then got to a point, went back and looked, and then all of a sudden there was a Tide Ripper. And I just chalked it up to like, oh, I didn't notice it before. But no, interesting. Because that's how it started with me, too. Yeah. But then it happened in areas where I was like, like right outside of Vegas. Mm-hmm. There's a slither fang that shows up. And then there's a um, a mammoth. Oh, okay. That shows up. And I was like, those were definitely not there before. Hmm. Like, I had a quest where I had to run through that area quite a bit. And they were not there like rock breakers. Mm. There was a couple areas that the rock breaker showed up and I was like, they weren't there before Hmm. because there's a rock breaker right before a bandit camp in the very South of the desert. And where I ended up fighting the rock breaker to get components from it is where I stood to snipe at the fucking (laughs) bandit camp. So I was like, if this thing was here before I would have had to fight it. Yeah. And that's when I kind of pieced it together of, as I'm progressing, more of these machines are appearing on the map. That's cool. It is, but it's a weird dynamic. But it is weird, yeah. And it kind of, it stunts your ability for the progression in your tools and equipment. Mm. Because until those monster or uh, machines come on your map, you can't harvest them for resources. So then unless if you advance in the storyline, and this is what I'm talking about, where I feel like they designed it more for the end game content than the game content, because unless if you advance through the storyline, you can't get these components, you can't upgrade this gear, and you're just kind of stuck. Not that it was needed, like we discussed, but it was one of those of, if I wanted to do this, you've tied my hands. Yeah. And I don't like having my hands tied like that. No, not like that anyway. No. So let's talk about the reviews All right. and reception like we tried to do. Never. So Metacritic has this at an 88 out of 100 for PS5 and 90 out of 100 for PS4. I don't know why there's a two point difference. I don't either. Destructoid, 8.5 out of 10. I would say that's probably where I'm at. I'm probably around an eight, an eight point five. I agree. That's uh, Easy Allies has it as a, a nine out of ten. <clears throat> EGM four out of five stars. Game Informer nine point two five out of ten. I think that's a little too high. That's too rich. 
um game revolution nine out of ten game spot eight out of ten games radar four and a half stars out of five hardcore gamer four out of five ign nine out of ten push square probably nine out of ten stars i'm not counting all those little fucking stars i'm just going to assume it's nine out of ten yeah shack news nine out of ten the guardian four out of five vg247 video gamer.com eight out of ten so i mean I mean, it's pretty close. There's nothing. Nobody thought it was super terrible. Nobody gave it a perfect score. Yeah. Um, there were a couple of them where I'm like, that's too high. But I do agree. Four and a half out of five stars and a 9.25 out of 10. A nine. I I would. I could. I, I could have a friendly debate I'm, if somebody said this was a nine. I, I know. I, I really feel it's in the 80 percent range. I really do. Just because, again, there's too much. Mm hmm. To make it a nine, all that would have to be almost damn near perfect. Yeah. And it's not. Yeah. There's a lot, and it's good. If there was less and it was better, it would go up. Mm -hmm. So if you want it to go up higher than that, in my opinion, you needed to make those things that are lacking better. Yeah. These be a little didn't. tighter. It does. Yeah. It does. There's too much. And in that, you lose some quality. It just, that's how I feel. <laughs> well, so obviously, we both liked it. Yeah. Despite the fact that it has some problems. But again, right, all games do. We just do our best to try to enjoy it as much as we can. Absolutely. And I, like I said, I mean, I don't regret my time with this game. I thought it was a lot of fun. There are, there are things I had a problem with. I do think I prefer, if I could have maybe the main story of this one in the world of the first one. I'd probably be happier. Okay. Just because the world's a little bit tighter. You know, again, even with the story, the main story problems, it doesn't feel, you know, you don't have that problem of a, of a dead world. You don't have a problem with the grinding for materials. Yeah. You know, you could have a, a, a better, tighter. And I did like the world of the first one a lot better. I felt like there was a... <clears throat> Like the areas were nice and diverse, but they weren't so big that it felt like. Well, and that's the thing is in this game, you have four or five biomes mm -hmm. in the first one. You have two, three. There's and like... I'm not including the expansion in yeah. the base game <clears throat> because the expansion added on a whole other little part of the map. The super snowy area where they added the snowy area. And this you have. You have forest, you have jungle, you have desert, mm -hmm. you have snow, and you have water. Mm. So you've got five biomes in this compared to the three. There was <clears throat> there was like deserty areas and 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 forest and foresty areas. There was and then you had snow. Wasn't there like a plain area? Like Not a, really. Like a rolling oh, field and kind of so area? yeah. You also have the plain area. <laughs> like, they, but I agree. I agree. They went. We're going to try and throw in a whole world in a little bit bigger space than the first map. Yeah. So they didn't either like they ha I don't want to say half assed it, but they kind of went in the middle. Right. Instead of giving us a way bigger world where all of these areas were more fleshed out or a smaller world where we only have a few of these areas, they tried to do the middle yeah. and they did a good job. But it's not amazing. Yeah, which is which is a great actual like summary of it. Yeah, that they did a good job, but it's not amazing. Yeah, like, but it's good. The first <laughs> one I felt was more amazing. Yeah, so I have to agree. 
fiance is not going to be happy about that. <laughs> she really liked this one. And that's fine. Everybody's entitled to their opinion. And as long as she had fun, that's all that matters. That's all that matters. So, all right. Anything else? Nope. All righty. Well, thank you all so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. Don't forget, go to our Facebook page, Game On. No tokens required on Facebook. You can also go to our Patreon as well as send us an email with your questions, your concerns, your comments, or let us know what you thought about it. That email address is no tokens required at hotmail.com, no spaces. So, thank you all so much for listening. We really appreciate it. And uh, I guess we'll talk to you guys next week at some point. Yeah. We'll see. So, I'm Chris. I'm Caleb. And until next time, Game, Game on. on. Thanks for listening to Game On, presented by No Tokens Required. The opinions expressed in this discussion are those of the hosts and may not reflect the opinion of No Tokens Required. No Tokens Required is not affiliated with the electronic entertainment discussed in this podcast. The properties mentioned in this podcast are the intellectual properties of their respective copyright holders and no infringement is intended. Game On is an exclusive podcast of no tokens required for the in 2020. No part of this podcast may be used in any way without written authorization from no tokens required.